0: The Devin White situation in Tampa Bay is getting interesting with his recent request for a trade and his huge contract demands. We're assessing the entire situation and offering our thoughts on what the Bucks should do today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
2: You are locked on NFL scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day
0: what's better than this it's guys being dudes here on the lockdown nfl scouting podcast we're the draft dudes i'm joe marino from lockdown bills he's kyle krabs from lockdown dolphins and we are your nfl experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the lockdown nfl scouting podcast with the draft dudes part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day We want to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And of course, a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single show. We appreciate you being here very, very much. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Also, uh...
1: While we appreciate our everydayers, we also appreciate all of the rodent advice that we received over the last 24 hours. I don't know if you saw all of the feedback, Joe. Suggestions, rodent repellent, my cats, YouTube comments, tweets. What's the update? Uh, We've removed all temptation from the garage. This is no longer your buffet. And whatever happens from here, I've now put the ball in their court. Yeah, it's time good. to time to move, or I'm going to start charging rent. Right, there's no food source. There's no food. There's no reason oh. for you to be here.
0: Yeah. All right, so it's warm. Maybe maybe that's part of it. Lots but...
1: of warm garages across our neighborhood. <laughs> I'm looking right across the street at one right now.
0: Look, <laughs> I got some food in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We're talking Devin White here on the podcast today. Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker has requested a trade. Mm -hmm. And right now he's scheduled to play on the fifth-year option, which will pay him $11.7 million this coming season. But we know that Devin White has some pretty lofty contract demands. He gave us a little clue into those contract demands at his pro day coming out of LSU. Not sure if you saw this quote, but – it is, uh, is one that we're all reminded of right now. This is Devin talking about himself. He says, people know Devin isn't going to be on the board long, and we're not going to find another Devin 10 years from now. He's rare, Devin White said, speaking of himself. Draft me because when I hit free agency in five years, the price will go up. I'll be looking for $100 million then. And here we are. Here we are, Kyle, 25 years old. He turns 26 next February. Number five pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, four-year starter for the Bucks, and he wants the bag. Surely,
1: um, th- this is 993, 1080, and 1075 snaps the last three seasons defensively. So, three down linebackers who are athletic and can run—that's the sales pitch. Now, of course, we know there's much more that, that goes into the evaluation than that, but. Uh, I think the challenging thing for Devin white without getting too far into the specifics on film that we're going to talk about here in segment two is kind of the trend of the player, right? And then some of this is a question of the trend of the team and what is around him and what the defensive front that has been protecting Devin white looked like early in his career versus what it looks like as of lately. So I understand there's some elements here that kind of change the conditions around Devin white, but I, I'm not sure you can look at the last three years and think that he's played better in any season versus the previous season in the
0: last three seasons that he's been on the team for the box. That's what I'm really excited about for this conversation is we're going to attack it. Not just with all the metrics and buzz talking points about Devin white. We spent time this morning studying mm-hmm. the tape so we have fresh opinions based on what he's actually put on film to talk about the skill set. And from there, we can really project the future here and talk about, all right, well, what does a trade look like? What does an extension look like? What should the Bucs do? What will the Bucks do? Because I think there's a lot of conflicting ideas within all of the things that I just outlined. But I'm going to provide my opinion based on what the film told me. The film. <laughs> And and what what I think about the outlook is for him moving forward. And uh, maybe that'll be a different conclusion than the Buccaneers get to, but we're going to have a really good discussion today here on Devin White. And I I will say it's complicated. It's a complicated situation because I think that you do acknowledge the youth, the experience, the production, um, the athleticism, all Mm -hmm. all the stuff that's really, really good here. Leadership, right? A multi-year captain on – What's been a pretty solid defense, Uh, you look over the four years, they've had a couple of top ten finishes in there. Obviously, a lot of success. You can certainly credit a lot of that to Tom Brady being there and and what he was able to get done. But there are some layers here that makes this fairly complicated. And we've seen some linebackers on the move here recently, right? Roquan Smith with the trade. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds left for a big, big payday with the Bears. And now Devin White's probably looking at that and saying, wow, well, look at me here. Look at what, look at what Shaq Leonard got. Look at what Fred Warner got. It's my turn.
1: So let's, uh, before we get into the film, you mentioned the, the production and the athleticism. That's probably a good thing for us to finish our introduction with as it pertains to Devin White. So uh, this is a player who, from a third down standpoint, we mentioned all of the snaps that he's played the last three years. A lot of that comes because He's been a lot of of pressure opportunities and twenty and a half career sacks and uh, he's had no less than thirty one pressures in each of the last three seasons and uh, gets after the quarterback and and Todd Bowles you know, the last this past season as as the head coach and the previous two seasons as the the defensive coordinator um, just looking at the last three year window for for Devin White. A lot of pressure opportunities, kind of selective on third downs, likes to heat you up, likes to get aggressive, and that's been a match and a mesh with Devin White and where his strengths have been going all the way back to LSU. So when you talk about Devin White, you could talk about the tackles if you want, and that's fine. We know not all tackles are created equally as far as impact and value on the field, but I look at the third down value as a pressure player, and I think that's where Devin White is the most unique version of himself and that's what somebody has to get excited about if they were going to trade for and acquire this fifth-year option contract at 11.7 million dollars and bring him into the fray
0: all right coming up here in just a moment we're going to break down the film and what it said to me and Kyle and then we're going to talk about the future and what's next year and I want to weave into that conversation some of the comments that Todd Bowles has made about Devin White that gives us some clues about maybe at least where the head coach's mind is at. But first, we need to tell you about the best tasting protein bar ever. That's Built Bars. I eat these things like crazy. I had a brownie batter puff right here's the wrapper uh, just before we started recording. And these things are absolutely delicious. If you're like probably anyone in the world, you're looking for healthier snack choices, you're looking for some lean protein to add to your diet. Well, Built Bars are an amazing place to do that. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein and they taste so good. It's like eating a candy bar. They have so many great flavors, churro puff. The brownie batter is my favorite Uh, cookies and cream. So many great options for you. They're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right. 100% real chocolate. So try them today. We can tell you all about going to built.com and ordering a box, which is what I do all the time. But what I love is you can now just head on over to your local Sam's club, or your local Walmart and pick up a box off the shelf. So, built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club, pick up a box. You'll thank us later.
2: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, Jill. First thing I have to ask you, because we're going to talk about the tape, is what tape you watched. What games did you study for Devin White? from 2020 presumably just 2022 i don't know if you went back to 2021 at all
0: uh the three games that i chose were the dallas playoff game this year same uh the week 13 saints game okay and the last panthers game and okay. also what's the last panthers game the the reason i picked those is because i the familiarity right i mean it was the second time that the bucks three. played all three of those teams right because mm-hmm. they played dallas in week one and so i wanted to see that second opportunity against a common opponent a couple of divisional games obviously familiarity there not just from each other but uh, from playing you know very similar schedules and so I thought that would give me the best um, exposures to really get a feel for the player so I watched
1: uh, Cowboys playoff game the last Panthers game I watched uh, Seattle and then I watched Kansas City so I went for a couple of multiple exposures, but then I also went for offenses that I was interested to see how Devin White would be able to match up within the game, within the game, right? You think about defending the middle of the field against uh, Seattle while simultaneously having to, to be focused on the running game. That's, you know, Seattle wants to bring to the table and then Kansas city with Kelsey and, how they space the field and and pressure you in the passing game. So I thought that was a good sampling of like run heavy focus, pass heavy focus,
0: and then two second exposures. Good. We've got a good mix of of tape that we've seen here. I I guess let's start with the good. Um, I think what really pops when watching Devin White for me is, is stuff that we've kind of already established here is first of all, the athleticism. Right, this is a guy that can really run and cover distance and trigger and close in a hurry, and you love that. He's got pretty good size, right? Somewhere in the high two thirties, right? Mm-hmm. Six foot something, two thirty-seven. Um, and, and so size he's got almost thirty-four inch arms. Too. Yeah, it's it's all good. You you love the physical profile here in terms of physical traits that that really pops. And then the other thing that I'll mention here that is easy to appreciate is the the rush ability, and obviously he's got good sack production, but. The reason he has that sack production stems from, of course, the athleticism, but also I think he's really good at just attacking the pocket and finding some of those soft spots uh, to to get some lanes and uh, give himself some free runs at the quarterback. And some of that's timing, right? And some of it is just really understanding protection schemes and where they're going to slide and where that, where that free lane is going to be. And so I think that those are probably my two favorite things about him that stood out. Um, is the athleticism and how that shows up on tape and then, of course, his ability to attack the pocket as a rusher. I think the thing that I
1: came away with in studying these games was Devin's at his best when you give him an assignment and he knows what it is and he doesn't have to worry about anything else, right? So if you're going to trigger downhill – um, and, and attack a gap and play downhill, whether that's in the run game or the passing game. Uh, that, for me, is is where Devin has his best value, and there were some instances where against heavier sets, he's pushed out over top of tight ends, and then he's got to make run, run pass reads and keys, and if he's playing Mike over top of the, the center or in a 20 alignment and he's got to cross-key his guards... I think that takes away from the decisiveness that I think is the best quality that he has when it's, I'm coming downhill and I know that I'm coming downhill. And what that allows me to do is just let my athleticism take over um, and physically overwhelm running backs who are trying to block me or guards that are comboing to get up and climb up into me. And I will beat them with my first step down into the A level of the defense and they won't be able to get off the double team in time, and then I'm shooting into the backfield and and having a pressure opportunity or a negative play opportunity. So that for me was definitively when you give Devin White something binary as his assignment is when you get the best version of Devin White.
0: Now I think we're going to unlock a lot when we talk about the reasons why that is when we get into some of the weaknesses, but let me ask you this question just based on the analysis that you just offered. Is there a case to be made that Devin White's best position isn't Mike yes. linebacker? Yes. Like if he was more of a matchup player, getting to play as a pursuit style guy, weak side, you know, simplifying things, allow him to to really just see ball, get ball, or have a, a man coverage responsibility. Is, th- is that the more appropriate way to get the most out of him and, and really limit some of those weaknesses that yeah. we're about to talk about? So I I think you're probably better suited
1: putting him in zone coverage. So if you want to play zone, put him at will and let him pursue. Kind of like what the Anthony Barr narrative was. Um, Mm -hmm. He's not as tall as Barr, but I think he's as dynamic as Barr, and he's just as long Mm -hmm. as Barr, right? So he's a different body type, but I think that was kind of the – what unlocked Anthony Barr and made him be a consistent player for for Minnesota was the fact that you put him on the backside, you let the athleticism kind of shine and take over. Kind of Alec Ogletree felt like he was the same way for a long time, mm-hmm. too. right? So those are the kinds of players that little different assignments as far as how much they're rushing the passer versus how much they are literally just a, a horizontal sideline to sideline pursuit player. But I think that gives you some options. I think the less you play Devin White in coverage, the better. And that's when I look at his snap breakdown, 567 snaps in 2020, 594 snaps in 2021, and 514 snaps in 2022 in coverage. Hey, how about we get this guy off the field? Like, this doesn't have to be a 95-98% of your snaps kind of player. And I think if you buy into what you just said, Joe, where this guy is a little bit more matchup and game situation and personnel situation specific, I think you can really work around some of the limitations and let him be more effective within his role in your defense.
0: But I would not play him at Mike. Right. I I would agree with that. And I think the weaknesses that we're going to talk about are exposed at what at, at Mike linebacker, where I think instinctively he's a tick late. That's what I've noticed about him. He's kind of a tick late with his ability to trigger and get downhill and I don't think playing next to Levante David helps because how many times did you watch a play and David, even though he's from the, the backside, the backside player, he beats gets him, ahead of ball. him. <laughs> he gets to the ball. It's like, oh,
1: let me let me take a time out real quick, because all right. I want to go down that rabbit hole with you. But before we do, I do want to acknowledge I do think there is one other role that I think Devin White could successfully fill and it's for teams that play odd front defenses and they kind of play some gap control type stuff up front, if you're going to have the traditional 3-4, right, and you're going to insert the backer into the run fit on an interior gap with consistency on early downs, like that's what LSU did with him, right? They played three down, and then they, they brought him as the fourth player mm-hmm. to just trigger downhill. So if you have a plug and a scrape backer, like, your mechanic is to get downhill and then free up for the the other, the Levante David to scrape over top and go sideline to sideline. I think that's the other pathway where you can play him in tighter spaces, but it's like, dude, get on your horse. You're hitting the B-gap.
0: So, yeah, if you're looking for a Brandon Spikes in the year 2023, um, there's a role for Devin White in that. He's
1: That role is Elandon Roberts, with a jet pack and more length.
0: All right. So instinctively um, he's a tick late. And I think that creates a lot of problems for him. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, of course finishing plays, but it, it invites a lot more contact that he has to address. And, and when he's pursuing the football laterally, I don't think he does a very good job of playing with extension and using his, his hands to deconstruct blocks. It's a lot of just taking on with shoulders uh, and I think he just kind of gets himself in, in some muddy situations that are because he's a tick late to trigger and diagnose. He loses and I think the angle. That, right. He loses the angle, and I think that impacts his tackling. Miss tackles have been an issue for Devin White. And, you know, we talk about what makes a good tackler. I think what makes a good tackler is somebody that gets to the football on schedule and takes good angles and puts themselves in good position to make plays. And so, of course, there's tackling deficiencies when he's, instinctively a a touch tardy and playing through contact and not getting to the ball carrier with the type of leverage and positioning that he wants to be. Even I think that it was early in that second Carolina game
1: where they threw just a short hitch or something up top, or it was like an RPO and he was the backside linebacker in this regard. And he's flying out there to the numbers to make the tackle and his angle's a little too sharp, and he never really gears down, and he just totally overruns it. It's like they had him boxed on the perimeter, they had him boxed directly over top. All you had to do was come right at the inside hip, come straight down the line under control, and you you guys were going to triangulate and box him in. And he ended up running into the guy that had him boxed over top, and the guy got extra six yards for a first down on just a routine pursuit opportunity on the sideline. But there was some backfield action or key action that had the pause and the false step away from where the ball went before he came back out. So I think that's a really great example of what you're talking about there. And then as far as in the run game, being tardy and having to deal with blocks, I think the the Dallas playoff game was a great example where Mm -hmm. or a number of times Tyron Smith at right tackle got up on top of him in a hurry. And that was the biggest issue that I had with Devin White was these incidences of when you are late or when you are a tick behind or when you lose the angle and you're on the second level when you do it. When you get walled off, everybody behind you gets stuck behind you on the train, right? There were like four incidences in the first half where they went outside the tackles and Devin White gets cut off by either Jake Ferguson, Dalton Schultz, or Tyron Smith, As a stack linebacker who's in like a 30 alignment, which is outside shoulder of the play side guard, and they close the four or five yards of cushion and get up over top of him, and then they they wall him off, and when he gets stuck, whoever's the next second level defender runs right into the back of him. And then you have an opportunity where you have these gouging lanes and opportunities outside the hash to go get chunk gains. Now, there was one of them where Ezekiel, they ran GT counter, and Zeke misread the the key and cut back inside to where everybody was already walled off on, where if he hit the outside, it was the corner and the wide receiver, and then the safety was in the high post, and he would have had to run it down from 20 yards away. Like, it would have been a really big gain. So that was the big thing for me with Devin with the processing was – there's way too many opportunities where you are not leveraging to your teammates in support, even if you're not the player that's going to make the tackle.
0: Really weird sidebar, but did you see some of those reps where they would put Vita Vea like on the second level and just have him bowl? Yeah. Brother, could you imagine no. trying to absorb not. that as the card? <laughs> <laughs> he was rocking them back, man. Yep. Those are some fun reps. I was that, that was like, What wait, what's he doing back here? And I was like, Oh, oh he's no, coming. he's <laughs> coming. That's a load of a man. Uh but Devin White in coverage, Kyle. I saw a guy who drifts. He he's a coverage drifter, is what I would call him. Um, where I, I think so much of being a good zone coverage player is is knowing where the eligibles are. And it's like process of elimination. And there are times where you can adjust your landmarks based on that and squeeze and play a little tighter. But I saw a player that just continuously drifted and it made for some easy throwing windows that didn't have to be that way. If he would have been a little bit more willing to trigger and play down when guys entered his zone, as opposed to continuing to drift and try to get depth so often. Do you remember the second Panthers game
1: there was an incidence where Tampa had a long drive. They ended up missing a field goal, and Carolina took over, like, the 40-yard line. And, like, the first play off the turnover was a play action with a deep hook. And he, Devin was playing hook-curl, and he drops, and Darnold has, I think it was Vea, flash in his face, and he flushes to his left. And that deep hook flushed left with Darnold, and Devin really never went with it, right. too. And it's like those opportunities when he when the when a right-handed quarterback goes to the right or to the left cut the field in half, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't worry about him coming back for anything back on your left-hand side as a dropper, get to
0: your right and just flow. It's like a Madden player. Like like you know what I'm saying? Like a program player in Madden, like okay, I'm going you, to this spot. Yes.
1: Yes, but, that's what you but it doesn't matter what the route stems are. Right. Right. It's, what did Jordan Reed call that? At draft when we uh, were all at draft uh, network together, it was uh, grass grass dropper. grass dropper.
0: Yeah, covering right? grass.
1: So and and I understand when you're hook curl and it's a deep hook behind you, you're not gonna see it unless you turn your head and peek, and that's a dangerous game when you're keying the quarterback. But when the quarterback's got Vita Vea in his lap and he goes that way, go that way start the flow that way with it. Yeah, right. Right, and trust your speed that you're on a four four. So. If you sink a little bit and as you flow, you you check and peak and flow and Sam Darnold tucks the ball, you'll get there, right? Trust your speed that you'll get there. Um, so, so little things like that, I agree with you from a, a zone coverage perspective, but I think that's a better alternative than asking him to flip and carry tight ends down the field and play man-to-man coverage.
0: At least athletically, he's got the profile to do it. Does he have the mirror and match skills? Those are different things.
1: Uh, there was one time in the Dallas game where he thought he was green dogging, and, and and Pollard released, and he, they called somebody else for defensive holding, but he just about hog-tied him and lassoed him at the line of scrimmage. So it's just a dangerous game when I think there's lack of consistent discipline across all phases is kind of a common theme within within
0: the tape. Yeah. Anything else here on the tape before we talk about, well, what do we do here? I'm good. All right. Well, uh, we're going to talk about what we're going to do here. Uh, I have some ideas. I want to share some thoughts that Todd Bowles offered recently. That's all coming up after a quick break.
2: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Joe, you promised some Todd Bowles quotes. I think that's a great place to start.
0: So there's two things in, in researching for this podcast that I uncovered that Todd Bowles said about Devin White. The first one is... When asked about Devin White, he said, everyone talks about the missed tackles, but Devin White's made a lot of tackles that, I, that a lot of people can't make as well. Um, and that was kind of a way of a, being a bit of an apologist. But th- this is the one that really stood out to me, and I'd be curious how you process this. But he's he's commonly referred to Levante – or excuse me, Freudian slip there. Uh, Devin White is a top-two player for the Bucks defense.
1: So they like him. <laughs> I yes. think, I think with Devin, what makes Devin a challenging valuation as compared to a v, an evaluation because we just evaluated the player, and I think it's it's pretty cut and dry. You're, you're yeah. mo- most people are going to see a lot of the same stuff, right? Right. But the valuation of Devin White, I think, mirrors some of the challenges that Tremaine Edmonds dealt with for a couple of years in Buffalo where because of his athletic profile, he is asked to do things that a lot of linebackers would not dream of being asked to do. I think there's some merit to that statement from top bowls. Would you agree? Yes. So if you're going to bring him in, I think you need to have a definitive, you need to have stability on the defensive side of the ball. And I think you need to have a definitive multi-year plan for what your defense is going to look like and feel like he is either the last piece of the puzzle or a defining piece of your puzzle for how your mechanics are going to work uniquely for your defense
0: the bucks have stated they don't have any interest in trading Devin white so obviously we'll see what the road ahead looks here looks like if there's a holdout or you know what who's willing to concede or what but it doesn't sound like there's any immediate urgency from Tampa Bay to meet that trade request. Um, Looking at some valuation here for what an extension could look like. Spot rack has his market value at four years, 80 million. So Mm. $20 million a season. I'm out. And for that reason, I'm out. Well, do we feel like that's, Warranted because I mean, that's the Roquan Smith deal. That's what Roquan right. Smith is getting $20 million a season. They have Shaquille Leonard at 19.7, Fred Warner, 19.1, Tremaine at 18, Mosley at 17. This is where I think it gets interesting is you got Foyer Olakun with the Jacksonville Jaguars, got 15. So I think that's probably his absolute floor. Whether or not we would pay that or not is one thing, but what teams do, right? I think at a minimum he's staring at fifteen million dollars a season, absolute minimum.
1: Right, because there's a big gap between Olakun and the seventh player on an average salary salary basis, which is Jerome Baker at twelve five. Right, and then you have Devondre Campbell at eight at ten million. So you literally have a five million dollar window mm-hmm. with no one in it.
0: There's not another linebacker in the league making more than ten million dollars a season. It's it's Devondre it's Campbell at eight.
1: Yeah. Well, and De- but devin white on his fifth year option technically it, it's the sure. fifth year of a rookie deal but this year from a cash perspective that's that's going to be up there a bit 11.7 <sighs> yeah I, th- I i think the fact that he's played three downs and has impact on passing downs and can in- impact the quarterback whether it's it's right or wrong it's what people look at right now whether or not that's how teams choose to value him in a open market situation or
0: trade situation i don't know but the way that i look at it is this i recognize what value he brings i'm I'm concerned about what he doesn't bring as well and every player has strengths and weaknesses right that's Mm -hmm. that's a given so like we we Got critical with Devin White, but I think we could probably get critical with just about any player you put in front of us, right? Like That's That's the point of the tape, right? It's the the point point of discussing the tape. And so when I consider what I'm signing up for, right, making this commitment to Devin White and being aware of the strengths and being aware of the weaknesses, I don't personally find myself in a place where I'm comfortable committing north of $15 million a year to this player, right? I don't want to sign up for that if i'm giving out those those types of contracts you know i want a more complete skill set that i feel better about doing a, a a more wide range of things for me on the football field right because you you have to have the
1: perfect situation for devin white to be more valuable to you than he is for the other 31 teams across the league so
0: That's if right. you
1: pay him like he's as valuable to to you as he is to everyone else you damn well better have the exact right opportunity and I think part of that, going back to one of the things we earlier discussed, was you can be a valuable player without playing every snap. And I, I think there's some opportunities with Devin to maybe be a little bit more selective with when he's playing, and you'll get a better version of him by removing some of the high stress. Do you need him on the field on 3rd and 15? Like, respectfully, I know he's a blitzer, but isn't yeah, he more isn't
0: he pressure look than yeah. Isn't he more valuable
1: average. on third down on third and five, where like you're gonna be in a little bit more base personnel, not spread personnel, and as compared to third and fifteen, where it's like okay, we're gonna put him on the second level and he's gonna rush from the second level and we're gonna rush for, I don't know. I I think you can get into some sub package stuff and take him off the field on third and, and forevers. And put him in a better position.
0: This all speaks to a disconnect, right? So if we, or it sounds like if we were running the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right, and we assess Devin White like this, Devin White doesn't assess himself like this, right? He wants right. to be the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. So he'd be for somebody else, right? So that, there's just to to me, that's just just a disconnect.
1: You know what kind of reminds me of the Chauncey Garner Johnson stuff with the the Saints last year. They end up trading him in August. I think it was August 31st. They dealt him. I actually have the terms of that deal up here. Uh, a ham sandwich and a candy August candy. August 30th. Is there even such thing as an August 31st, or did I just draft dudes do math? I'll out? be
0: honest with you, Kyle. One of the things that I've acknowledged this within my February, own March, personal March, life. May, June, June, June. I have no idea how many days there are in each month. I think That's there's except for February 28. That's probably, the only one I know for sure. Well, but not every year. Right, but at least I know that.
1: January, I know for the first, like, five or six months, you can do the knuckle rule.
0: And the knuckle thing makes no sense
1: to me. Right. If it's a knuckle, it's 31. If it's not a knuckle, it's less than 31.
0: Okay, well, how do you even remember that?
1: I just start with this knuckle, and it's January, and 31. That's 31. February, not 31. March, 31. April, not 31. May, 31. June, not 31. I don't know how much further it goes, but that's... I can get <laughs> about half the year. What do we do with <laughs> <laughs> Brother, this has been
0: a struggle in my life. Because, um, and, I, and I run a lot of reports and stuff like that, and so it's always thinking about date ranges, and I never know.
1: You're right. So August 30th, 2022, the Eagles acquired Chauncey Gardner Johnson from the Saints and a 2025 seventh-round pick for a 2023-5 and a late 2022-6 in 2024.
0: I don't think a Devin White trade looks anything like that.
1: But if we get to August and Devin's still making a stink – if Tampa eats some of the salary, because Devin's committed to moving on, is that the terms and conditions in which you would do a trade? I'm not asking what it's, predictably, it's going to look like that. But if you're dealing for Devin White, is that the kind of appetite you have for a trade? Or you give, Would you give a day two pick for Devin
0: White? Well, I, I, first of all, the, the new CBA really makes that hard on Devin White to make that choice. To, to really hold out like that it through does. mandatory portions of the offseason. Um, I couldn't find a lot of historical trades that I thought made a lot of sense to compare this to. I, I will acknowledge the Roquan Smith trade, uh, which was a second and a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Alec Ogletree one uh, between the Giants and Rams is one that I thought was at least worth mentioning. It was Alec Ogletree in a seven for a four and a six in 2018. I think that's more. More along the lines of, but here's the thing: is I don't I know the way that we just talked about Devin White. Mm-hmm. But is there a chance that just there's there's teams that look at him differently? Sure. And but and it's, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? right. And I'm I not think, saying it's two Devin, five, but you don't think they can get a day two pick for Devin White? They wouldn't for me. Not but for me, right? right. But predictively, right, 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 right. right? So we've we did the what we would do thing here. I I would trade him to the highest bidder. That's the easiest decision I would ever make. Would be that. But what what um, are teams really going to do here predictably? Maybe maybe a three. I a
1: would three guess three. Three gets this done. I would guess a 3. If if Devin White has definitively stated, "Yo, I won't be here anymore." And if you know that he's going to make life difficult uh or that he doesn't he's going to be disinterested and disengaged in playing.
0: Which he's I, already showed sometimes, correct. right? We we've correct. seen the low So if
1: if that compounds itself throughout the rest of the offseason program i would take if i was tampa even if i wanted to keep him i think clearing the almost 12 million dollars off the books in exchange for a three is a worthwhile venture because tampa needs to reset pretty significantly
0: i love that talking point the additional value is that you free up immediately 12 million dollars 12 million dollars in cap space right That either
1: you use or you don't use, and it rolls over to twenty twenty four. It's valuable no matter what,
0: right? And look, the regime that drafted him, right? This this is where this is really different than the Okuda stuff from yesterday. Is Jason like drafted him? He's going to continue to be the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? And so that's going to automatically skew the way he perceives it, right? He's not trying to trade the guy that he picked number five and. Won a Super Bowl with, I mean, has had some good defenses, with this guy is his Mike linebacker. So this is, I recognize this is more be differences here between the way we see it and what might actually happen. This is more Mike Secchi than it is
1: that whole saga on the franchise tag and getting eleven million dollars and it's more Mike Esecki than Jeff Akuta from a dynamics team perspective. Miami had had calls, but they didn't want to move him, and then, then they end up losing him for nothing. Or I think if you could do it over and you're Miami and you're in your current salary cap situation, you could free up $11 million and take a yeah. a four for Mike Gusecki because Derek, like, I right. do that 10 times out of 10.
0: Right, right. Even so at the time,
1: that was, we talked about that. Like, yeah, they should have done that. Right. But we didn't view the player the same way the team did. And that's the same. That's what I mean when I say this, this is that there's a Mike Gusecki element here as far as this, <laughs> yeah, this build up in the financials and, and yeah. the, the value of the player, which makes it really interesting. So there you go. Devin white film assessment, where to go from here, kind of exploring some trade elements. I will be really interesting to see how this one plays out because as Joe pointed out, Todd Bowles has had nothing but a lot of great things to say about Devin white and, and his play. And Devin has high aspirations for himself as he should. Um, player who's playing a bunch of snaps and athletic and can make impact plays in the right situations Uh, finding the win for everyone here is going to be the mystery question because somebody's probably going to come out of this situation feeling like they didn't win but you can feel like you win every day by being an everyday or here with us on the locked on nfl scouting podcast with the draft dudes dedicated to team building you can find us on youtube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, We appreciate you guys making us a part of your day. We hope you have a great rest of your Thursday, and we will be back again tomorrow to bring this week to a close. So hit subscribe, come on back, and see us again. Peace.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.